Hey everyone, this is Socratic Hobbits, a podcast where Kyle Morse and me, Daniel Hayward, try to ask big questions and then answer them. Sometimes we stay on topic. Thanks for listening. So it sounded fine. It didn't sound like the tin can to you when you listened to the recording. I would have played it back. And if it does, I'm not sure what to do. I don't particularly want to purchase a new microphone as we have not made enough money to purchase a new microphone from this endeavor. I don't think we've made enough money to purchase anything for this endeavor. But think of the friends we made along the way. Did you think of that? James, Kyle. Well, they were already our friends. I, I mean, I think they were. I, I told you what Kyle said about his trip across country, right? Listening to our podcast. No, what did Kyle say? He said it was a it was a dangerous podcast for him to listen to because he was constantly finding himself stopping and trying to interject and into the conversation. What were we talking about that made him that made him so worked up? Uh, something that we were factually probably I was factually incorrect on. But what would we have discussed? That were we talking about doctoring stuff? Must have been. That's not where that bone connects. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. The party bones connected to the drinking bone. <laughs> uh, can you see my fancy new hat? It's on backwards, so you, you couldn't see the logo. But this is my new this is my new company. It's so much fun. I'm having such a good time. But it's not as good as me. Are we recording? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bleep that part out. <laughs> no, 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 the Davids don't listen to this, so which really surprises me because uh, one of them is working away from home, and I would just think he has all the time to kill. I guess there's other things that he'd prefer to spend his time on. I, yeah, I. Well, it's um, I'll just tell you what's what's so for recent, like this week. Uh-huh. This is my this is my first week, so everything's new and shiny. But, um, enjoy it. We, yeah, absolutely. I am. They like right now, I'm just, I just, I spent most of yesterday and today just like basically programming, building tools for, and it's, you know, it's not a language per se. I mean, it does have its own language, but it's so simple that if I was to show any programmer, they would kind of just giggle at me. I'm basically just using using Power Query, Excel, eTakeoff as the software. I made a pretty sophisticated tool this week, and uh, they was just really valuable to them, and uh, I just got a lot of good feedback. Nice. And it was just really exciting. It was really fun to be like to kind of jump and not not be sure if I was gonna reach a ledge or not. Yeah. Uh, but to trust them, like that. We would make it, we would figure it out. And it just like, clicked. you know, it just clicked. It was just really great. And the, the people I work with are super fun too. They've just got a really good sense of humor actually. So uh, there, there's four owners and they like to play pranks on one of them. He, and he's, he's a really good sport about it. And they removed the back of his, one of his monitors and then soldered in uh, about a, a quarter sized, but it's a Bluetooth speaker, so they can play off of their phones to that Bluetooth speaker. Uh huh. Notification noises, and <laughs> and uh, he he was insistent that it was in the ceiling, and he like had popped a couple of the uh, acoustical. This tiles. is like just from the office. <laughs> and so what they did, because he was in so insistent, was the day after that they put one in the in the ceil- actually in the floor underneath. And he event and they were play- they were being a little more aggressive with that. Like they were not just playing notification noises, but like uh, the first three seconds of a song. Uh-huh. And they did that I don't know ten or fifteen times, and then pretended like he had found it, and, <laughs> and, then, and then waited a day, and then they started playing notification noises again. Uh, but he thinks he found it, so actually they'll start. They'll probably start that on Monday. Yeah, that's just, that's just, there's, there's more fun than just that. They just love life. 
they they do they love life <laughs> it's and it's a lot of fun out there. what's what's the range of i guess locations that they work out of uh they work of as far north as uh, in like northern Seattle, they work as far south as um, they've probably done a handful of projects in Eugene or even maybe Medford. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're bidding a project in Idaho. Where in but Idaho? Probably Boise. I don't know. Um, but that's our, that'd be our, our we're not a g- general contractor. Not really. I mean, the idea is that we would be eventually. Um, so what's the project you're working on right now? I mean, so I do, so when you're doing estimates, you tend to go through projects fairly quickly and we just have a few spec sections that we do. We just do them very in depth. That makes sense. Um, For like this week, what was it? Schools or? Yeah, it was, it was a, it was a school that I was working on most of the time, but I also working on that tool took up a significant amount of time. Um, I also set up all of my like computer equipment. It's a small company. There's like 10 or 15 of us um in the office and then another 15 that are in the field Mm. um that'll bump up we have a couple of big projects starting so i think there'll be 30 or 40 in the field excuse me in about a month so yeah uh the goal is to kind of level off at i think 40 40 or 45 Mm -hmm. bump up in the summers and then come back down yeah um but yeah, I mean, so they don't really do like commercial, commercial residential. I'm not quite sure how to, how to phrase that, but like apartment complexes, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think that they would do that. More, usually larger projects. Um, one of the, one of the schools I was working on had a really big steel package. And so, but I'm not, I don't know that we specialize in that. It's kind of its own thing. So, but my boss had headed out for the day on was kind of to that point did as much as i could steel's interesting because of how quickly that price is just accelerating (laughs) and so what you bid you can bid with margin today and be underwater tomorrow if you don't have some sort of escalator in your in your contract yeah so with both lumber and steel there's escalation clauses um one way that owners are getting out of that is they are purchasing um now instead of when the project Uh is starting right but but then you have to pay for storage as well so it's like it's a cost either way it is but not as significant as it could be right um so we had some extra material on uh from some previous projects and typically a company would just send it back to the lumber yard and get a credit but they're getting uh the credit is what they paid for it and the project started a year ago. Right. And so, and that was when the materials were purchased. And so we just said, no. Yeah. I wonder if people are converting like old strip malls and stuff to just construction material storage centers. Anyway, how are you doing? I'm doing well. We just had uh, someone over tonight and um, he, he's a marketing student at WSU and had to interview someone for a, a class on, um, basically career career stuff and Hmm. so did the interview had him over for dinner talked about so he interviewed you yeah talked about uh the logan paul floyd mayweather fight because he's he's pretty fascinated by um the way logan paul has gone from a student in college to one of the top youtube social media influencers content creators in the world and got to fight one of the best boxers of all time by virtue of doing that. Hmm. So can you, what happened? I don't know any of this backstory. Okay. So do you know who Floyd Mayweather is? Yeah, I've heard that name. He's a, he's a hotshot fighter guy. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. So he's, he's 50 and 0 in his professional career. He's never lost his professional career. He's known as Money Mayweather because he's he's very shrewd. I mean, he's retired now. He's forty four, but um, he's he's always been very shrewd with marketing fights and um, making a lot of money out of them. And there are a couple of brothers, um, Logan and Jake Paul, who created YouTube channels and got a big following. Just sort of like 
video blogging about them doing stuff in their lives. And yeah. they've both pivoted to boxing. And um, Logan's hmm. more of the amateur boxer. Jake is more um, more angling for the professional boxer. Okay. But um, Logan basically went to Floyd Mayweather and said, hey, how would you like to make $30 million? Um, I've done a couple of boxing matches with another YouTube influencer. And so I have some credibility, some minimal credibility as a boxer. And I can bring all my YouTube followers and they'll buy uh, tickets to um, watch us either in person or via pay-per-view and you'll be guaranteed. I think he was like guaranteed $10 million and then ended up making 30 million based off the pay-per-view. And then the YouTube guy made 5 million. Um, but it was all set up by their two, the, the way both of them have marketed themselves as individuals over the years. So um, Floyd Mayweather and uh, was it Jake Logan? It was Logan Paul. Logan Paul. Jake okay. Paul's the brother who's done who's doing more professional uh, hmm. boxing matches. But did the Floyd Mayweather win? Well, it was an exhibition, so no one technically won. But the, I mean, if it was judged, then yeah, he would have. <laughs> okay, so there's did, has Floyd Mayweather fought any exhibitions where there is no technical winner and lost? He he hasn't he hasn't lost he hasn't lost a match since he was an amateur in the Olympics. That's incredible. I had no idea. I had no idea there was anybody who was that dominating for a for a sport for any sport. Well, I mean, Khabib Nurmagomedov was twenty nine and with no twenty nine wins, no losses in mixed martial arts. Is currently. Um, he just retired this year. At the ripe old age of 29? Yep. Gosh. He may have been 32. He may have been 30. I don't know. Mm. But basically, he he his dad passed away from COVID, and his mom didn't want him to go um, fight anymore without his dad co- coaching him. Huh. So he said, yeah, I'll respect your wishes, Mom. Hmm. That's fascinating. Do you know why he would have made that decision or well, he's a very observant Muslim. Okay. So there is some religious element to that decision. Um, the other aspect there is, is he had, he had beaten all the top guys at the time mm-hmm. in his weight class. And so he was looking around going, there isn't anyone else. There isn't anyone here who I haven't beaten mm-hmm. and beaten handily. Yeah. So, there's no more challenge here. And my mom, my, my, my coach, my dad has passed away. My mom wants me to stay home. I've made all the money I need to live in, um, Dagestan and yeah. So he's, he's, he's now working as a, as a coach. The the other, the other component to it is he has, some of his teammates were in the same weight class and coming up, and he didn't want to fight his own teammates. Hmm. So, um, from his hometown, so he's coaching. Um, I believe it's Islam Makhiev, uh as as he comes up. Is his name Islam? Yeah. Same name. Huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you've made as much money and challenge, you know, beaten the challenge that you want, and then it's time to find a different one. And teaching is can be very difficult. I mean, I could, I could definitely see that, you know, and maybe his father was the coach and of the whole team, not just him. Um, I don't know. I could see. Yeah. That seems, that's just interesting to, there's just not very many times that you will see somebody at the top bow out. Right. I mean, Michael Jordan did it basically because um, the Chicago Bulls management weren't willing to pay for Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman um, to keep playing on the, on the team. And Jordan went, well, I don't want to play on a team that's not going to be any good except for me. So Mm. I'm going to retire again. I think 
Barry, Barry Sanders is another one. So he was a running back for the Detroit Lions. And and he retired one day, went, yeah, I'm done. Uh, Calvin Johnson, another Detroit Lion wide receiver, uh, more recently did the same thing. Uh, and I wonder if it's more common in sports than it is in other areas. Well, you have to think like MMA, football, those are those are sports that leave a lasting impact on you. So if you can walk away financially independent and still have your legs and your brain, um, you're making a pretty smart move. Yeah. I was um, reading about uh, TV shows where they stopped while the ratings were at their, the highest that they'd ever been. Uh huh. And I believe that there are only three shows that have ever done it. I know Seinfeld is one of them, and I believe, and I and I think there are two others, and I don't recall what they are. Firefly. I I don't think so. That doesn't sound familiar in that list. It only lasted one season. Well, then it, it technically would, but maybe they uh, they had some other criteria because there's lots of shows that have only been one season. Yeah, it's just kind of a cult classic in that way because afterwards it got a huge following of people who wanted more seasons. So basically they came back, brought the cast together to make a movie, release the movie and sort of like tied up a bunch of, tried to tie up a bunch of loose ends in a two hour movie that would have been slowly unraveled in the TV series. And so it sort of like sated the appetite of the fans, but it didn't, um, wasn't all it could have been. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder if that was satisfying for people or more of a letdown. A little bit of both. I think Hmm. speaking for myself, yeah, you liked it. Yeah, well, I mean, it was it was a space western. Mm. It was kind of a fun show. That doesn't seem like uh, to me that would be a choice of shows. But I don't actually imagine you watching any TV other than maybe fights because you want to see how they do a thing. Maybe I have some wrong perceptions about you, Kyle. I enjoy drama. <laughs> yeah, when I think about you, I think, man, what is the Kyle likes drama. How can we have more drama in Kyle's life? Drama and action. Drama and action. What's a good What's a good TV show? You, I I actually like have a hard time imagining you sitting down with with your wife and watching some TV about anything like other I mean, than documentaries, maybe TV shows. Movie. I'm more likely to watch a movie than a TV show, actually, because okay. with a movie, it's more self-contained. Um, a TV mm-hmm. show, you feel like in order to get it. You need to watch all the seasons, which is a lot more time actually than watching a movie, even though Mm -hmm. each show is far shorter. Yeah. So being able to get the whole story in a two or three hour time time series. So I guess if we're gonna go, you you want to do a favorite favorite movies uh, clip here? Sure. Yeah. Or just one. That's fine too. Well, I I was I I was trying to think of like different different examples. I recently watched rewatched the Godfather. And and that's just a masterful movie from the the family dynamics to the action to the drama hmm. to the just the the acting and the cinematography. I haven't seen that movie. Really? But you would recommend it? Yes, I would recommend it. Okay. At the last job that I worked, the uh, owner of the company had in his office. Uh, it's probably three feet by six feet or five feet or something, a portrait of the Godfather. And it said, I think um, it was probably a quote from the movie, but something along the lines of never tell anyone outside the family what you're thinking ever again. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Yep. So, so that, that's Al Pacino's character. I actually have zero idea of what the plot is at this point. Like none. So it's no, so I don't want you to, I don't want any spoilers. I actually, I really like to go into movies having no prior knowledge at all. Okay. Okay. Zero. Other than, I mean, obviously. So I will say, um, the, I really like the first, first and second movie. The third movie is, so it's a trilogy. You're already setting, you're already setting expectations. (laughs) I'm I'm just saying what I liked The the third movie I've only seen it once, but I feel like I didn't get as much out of it as I got out of the first and second one. Well, I'll um, I'll see if we can, you know, perhaps my my wife and I will sit down and take a look at those movies. I'm curious what what kind of movies like like if you were to recommend a movie, what would you recommend? Hmm. 
Uh, I'm not going to do top one or top two because I don't know. And it's well, easier just, to think that, of. That's why I went with something that I'd list, watched recently. Yeah. A movie that I watched recently that I really liked. So my, my wife and I actually do like TV shows. Um, go with that. Uh, the English Game on Netflix. Okay. It's about some of the first uh, the uh, football or soccer going. From, from amateur to professional. Uh, and it was a, it was a fantastically well done movie or excuse me TV show. It's only I think four or five episodes long, so it's not as much of a commitment as like. And they're not doing a second season. Uh, it was a specific story that they wanted to tell, and it's the is it an cinematography- HBO. No, it's um, HBO. masterpiece. Yeah, is that the one that does Downton Abbey? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and B- BBC. BBC, yeah. And Sherlock. Um, Mm-hmm. Yep, all of these. They they did a just a really good job with that. Um, what was the one? There was a movie at, about Sherlock's sister, Enola Holmes. Is a very good movie. My wife and I enjoyed that as well. Um, we also we will watch um we'll watch kids movies. I'm not quite sure when we started doing that, but we have we just have a restriction set on our netflix account uh-huh. we just never oh, but netflix doesn't have any of the pixar movies anymore no but we have disney we have disney plus okay so we are immediate family at one point we were we were paying for one of them and we were just sharing and uh-huh. then like we paid for our google subscription music and then we were borrowing my sister's disney login and they were paying for that and my mom paid for Netflix, and we all just shared among us. Uh huh. But then uh, Google Play Music went away, and they just never changed their passwords. And so we've been just still sharing all of the logins, but except for we're not paying for anything. <laughs> that worked out well for you. You you chose wisely. Well, we did it. You know, I mean, probably did it for like two years before um, that happened, and it's only. It's only been since, I don't know how long Google Play Music hasn't been a thing. Yeah, I know my wife and I can't wait until our kids are old enough to uh, watch uh, Pixar movies because there are so many now. Oh, yeah. We haven't yes. seen. So we watched and like laughed out loud a lot at um, the Millers versus the world versus the end of the world or something like that. I think it was on, I think it was on Netflix. That's it's about this, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. I don't know. It's an animated kids movie. Well, we recommended it to Kyle and his family. Mm-hmm. And the first, you know how, okay, so you, you kind of know the beats of a movie or a story in general. You have the scene and then you have uh, complication, rising action, resolution. Mm-hmm. Well, his kids only enjoyed the setting the scene setting because the rest of the time the millers were you know and this is all in the trailer but were trying to deal with the things that had caused the end of the world except it was you know there was things that they could do the end of the world hadn't hadn't quite happened Uh um anyway and so they like screamed and ran away and like hid under the couch and, (laughs) and uh I guess it just wasn't a good recommendation from from my wife and I to them, but Kyle and his wife really liked it. So, or at least, so it's more of an adult movie. Uh, no, probably just kids that are a little bit older, right? Than than his kids. I guess like when they're old enough that uh, they can understand that a robot that's you know making people do things they don't want to do is like it's okay if it's in a movie. Doesn't make oh. you run and run and scream, like just because it's you not going to come out of the screen. Yeah, I don't know how old. I don't know when kids realize that. You know, to, I mean, to a point, I I guess because there's stuff that I don't like to watch, right. even though I know it's not going to come out of the screen. Like, it still makes you feel uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. But then there are people who like to be made to feel uncomfortable. Yeah, it's always kind of interesting. Do you ever like to be scared? Not particularly. So, do you ever watch horror films? No. I, I know there are some people that like that, and I just yeah. it never never really makes sense to me. 
Well, that's what I was thinking of. Is like there are people who like to watch um, horror films. Like I've watched suspense films, like mm-hmm. oh the the Will Smith zombie film, I Am Legend, Legend, and The Shining. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy those. Yeah, but I guess they seem more rational than uh, just emotional. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Something interesting about I Am Legend is there's a book that the movie is very loosely based off of. Uh-huh. And, you know, when you watch a good movie, you realize it's based off of a book. You're like, oh, well, I'll probably enjoy the book even more. Because, right. exactly. you know, they're usually better. Right. Not so. Really? Yeah, it's terrible. That's interesting. The Yeah, it's just not good. It's, it's a completely... It's kind of like if you have a movie that's about... Uh, Frankenstein and his monster and you're expecting like a super action-packed story if you read the original but it's it's an epistolary book oh so so maybe if you hadn't watched the movie and just had it totally be disconnected from the movie would it would it be interesting no it's just way too slow or oh is it no just no the written? content it's it's the story structure is very different than what I was used to. The content, like their main focus was how... Um, so when you have like, the, you know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, mm-hmm. yeah, you've got, you know, there's a, there's a lot of um, parallels between, you know, indwelling sin and, uh-huh. and, you know, the author was dealing with, I think, his difficulty with lust. Okay. And the um, I Am Legend... And that was a, a main focus of it. And it was just very, it's very peculiar the way that he processed. It just wasn't particularly enjoyable. Um, and But if you're interested in the psychology of someone who's processing a sin that is impacting their life, would it be an interesting book? Uh, if you don't mind me giving away more, I guess. What, there's, I, I, I guess I'm asking you, did you finish the book? I did finish the book. It's pretty short, but one of the things that makes one thing that makes a story good mm-hmm. is when the main character feels like they have a lot of initiative, not necessarily that the things that they do work, but that they're trying, you know, maybe at first it's uh, somewhat, they feel like they're being forced into a different action by circumstances. But then at a certain point they say, you know what, I'm going to deal with this. They have agency agency. Yeah. That's a, that's probably the word I was looking for. Okay. I was, yeah. So this main character has, from what I recall, very little agency. So is someone, well, is someone else the real main character or something else the real main character? If anything, I mean, it's it's man versus nature, but the man, like you don't really want him to win. Right. He's, he, uh, I don't know if there's another another main character. Like, is the nature the the character we're supposed to be examining in that story maybe uh, potentially but i don't like you making me rethink my predisposition towards well I, i'm not saying book. that you should like i'm not saying that you should like the book I, i'm i'm asking if the book was written to a different audience than you are that's definitely possible um i don't know if you could hear my cat whining in the background but i'm going to um put her in a different spot will you hold on just a go ahead and put her down all daniel deals with his cat and puts her down we will return to our story after the 10 cent solution. I clapped at her. She doesn't like that. Didn't like it. No, she never likes it when I do it. Back um, when she was alive. Actually, one of our cats this week stopped eating. We had to take her to the vet to figure out what was going on. Yep. <laughs> actually, something I was thinking about is, are you ever going to... Do you do um, getting animals? Does that just seem like ridiculous to you? Not if they're useful. <laughs> so... Uh, what would define an animal that's useful? Pigs, chickens, sheep, goats, cattle, uh, a pointing or setting dog or herding dog. Mm-hmm. If you have a lot of mice around, cats. Mm-hmm. So cows. if an animal is comforting, that's not a, a use that, that is useful? I mean, they can have that as a side feature. But that's not a, a reason to get an animal? Correct. Unless you Unless you've got some kind of you know, medical level anxiety there. Well, again, we're talking about 
like like with the book I Am Legend, we're talking about the audience here. And mm-hmm. I'm not someone with a medical grade level of anxiety that would be fixed by a And I'm asking if that's the only scenario that you would see like Oh yeah, like like if one of our kids had some issue psychological issue that the doctor this recommended a pet for then yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay we have we have a lot of mice now we don't so nice well not nice but <laughs> just kidding no they're yeah we got one and then we need to get her a friend and now we have two and we're never getting any more i'm sure that's what they all say no i don't think that we'll ever get three not at the same time. No, I, I mean, not at the same time. I, no, I just mean we'll never have more than two cats. Oh, I see. Yeah. Unless you forget to spay one. Mm, I mean, we have friends who would take them, at the very least. Getting rid of cats is easy. That's true. <laughs> As Daniel just demonstrated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing your wife doesn't listen to this podcast. That's true. It's true. It's good that she doesn't. Now that I put down one of our cats. But speaking of... Uh, of the podcast and I, I think I think my wife would appreciate it if we if we talked about something <laughs> a little bit substantial. <laughs> what 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 hasn't been substantial, Kyle? <laughs> we've been talking for 40 minutes and so far we've talked about how you doing, how's your job, talked about movies, talked about useful animals. What more could you want in a podcast? <laughs> oh, we talked about sports. Yeah, you were trying to figure out uh who Logan Paul was. Yeah, who Paul, Jack, Jack, uh, Jack London. I don't know. Uh, no, oh, man, speaking of Paul. sports, Jack London, Jack, do you know Jack London coined the phrase great white hope? I don't know what that phrase means. So no, I didn't know that Jack London did that. Okay. So it was when, um, Jack was it Johnson, white thing. No, it was, he was a newspaper reporter writing on a boxing match between a white man and a black man. And the black man had beaten a number of white opponents and Jack London wrote about the next guy about to face him, that this guy was the great white hope essentially to take the crown of heavyweight boxer of the world away from the black man. Did he win? No, he lost. That seems fine. Um, the great white hope is very, it's a very racist term. I've well, never yeah. heard of this. Is it? Yes, it is. Huh? That seems bad. I'm not surprised that, I mean, a lot of people were racist then. And I think there's still quite a few. I think it's just, it's a heart condition. It's one that I would hope would not be as common as it is. But it's like I see, it's just hate for other. It's just a kind of tribalism that's, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I read an interesting article recently that was pointing out how tribalism is a sort of defense tactic um, for the current climate of um, how are they describing the climate that basically a situation where, where people jump down the throat of anyone who doesn't conform to that, the general ideal of Mm. what morality is. Yeah. Tribalism is a way of inoculating or protecting yourself against that sort of culture. So I think it's also just a way to protect yourself from having to, I mean, over the last year I've revisited a lot of kind of a lot of my thoughts about just my preconceived notions about many things. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have. It's really difficult. It's painful at times. And of course we would protect ourselves from pain. So why wouldn't I, if I feel like I have the majority or I know that I have a tribe that I can go back to and say, this guy's an idiot uh-huh. and and get validation from these people. Why wouldn't I treat, you know, other people who disagree with me in a way that, you know, makes it really clear to me that, that, that they are a them and I am an us and it's us versus them. Yeah. And I think this article was more pointing out that in our current climate, it's becoming more and more the 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 driving force to to do that and form that echo chamber is it's it's becoming a positive feedback loop in a negative way mm-hmm. so journaling 
Yeah. So, I mean, that's another <laughs> form of feedback, right? Um, oh, look at you. Talk about segues. Well, I mean, so I, I listened to that uh, episode where Tim Ferriss interviewed Matthew McConaughey, and he talks about um, his realization that a lot of times people journal to try and um, give themselves feedback on or on on what's been going wrong with their life. Mm-hmm. And he thought to himself, well, if I'm giving my fe- myself feedback on negative stuff in my life, why couldn't I use that for positive stuff in my life? And instead of like trying to just use journaling to dig myself out of a hole, why don't I use journaling to build a foundation and structure with, with things that are going well in my life? And, and, and that was my big, I guess, my main takeaway from, from that is that you're writing down things that are significant to you so that you can look for patterns or themes of significance in your life, whether those be things that drive you forward or pull you down and try and reduce the things that pull you down and enhance the things that drive you forward. Mm -hmm. So there's the practice of writing down the things that are significant and noting your feeling around them. And then Mm -hmm. there's the practice of assessing that, assessing that, looking for patterns. And then there's the practice of implementing habits and routines based off of your assessment of those patterns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good broad, kind of broad line summary of kind of his thought process. I think he had been journaling for years before he had that kind of realization or Mm -hmm. not sure uh, before he decided to think that way about it. I think you're right from what I remember. One kind of other or a different way to phrase the same thing that was just how I articulated was a little bit different is a lot of times when people journal, they're trying to get the suck out. They've realized that something sucks. And so they uh, try to solve that problem whatever that may be. And instead of just trying to get something out, you can, if you're trying, if you go back through your journals and you've journaled when things are great, then you can figure out what actually, what were you doing? What were you thinking? What were you, what were your habits? What were you eating was one of the things he mentioned. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. What are you eating that like makes you happy? And then when things are bad, Instead of only focusing on, okay, how have I solved this problem in the past? You can also say like, okay, what was I doing differently when mm-hmm. things were going well? Are there any of those things that I can do now? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that both forms of journaling are super, they're fine. Whichever one you want. Um, when you say both forms, I, I've only heard us talk about one form so far. So one form would be to journal all the time uh-huh. and use both the positive and negative uh-huh. add things that are good and take things out that are bad and solve those problems. Or the other option is only to journal when things are difficult and you can't quite figure it out. Kind of depends on where you want to put your energy, right? So either you do a and B or you just do B. Does that make sense? Do we try again? So just thinking through some of the stuff we've gone through together on habits and habit formation, would it, wouldn't, I, I guess I'm thinking it'd be more advantageous to have a habit of cons- consistently journaling so you aren't having to start something up when you're down in the dumps. And and maybe it's a thing of like, when you are struggling, you're going to, or I'm going to look for any avenue to, to, to any, any shovel to dig myself out. But mm-hmm. I think it's just as easy that that I could be down in the dumps and not have any energy to use a shovel if I don't Mm. already have the habit formed to be journaling. Sure. And that very well may be true, but I, it's been my experience that people who are in pain, significant pain, will find the energy. Okay. Generally, especially if they have a community that is encouraging them to do that. Because no, really the shovel is a good way to dig, you know, to, to move some Uh of this dirt. Even if they don't feel like it. How do people find, is it the pain that 
does pain generally motivate people to find community or does it require a certain level of kind of, I guess, a certain sort of foundation that someone has to already have in order to even be in a community that would point them to the shovel? It's been my experience that a person has to realize that they can't figure out, they cannot solve their problem by themselves. Once a person realizes that, then they will allow themselves to be told what to do by people further along the same path that they're on Mm -hmm. and thereby have community. So of, of the guys that you've known in the, uh, the men's group that, Mm -hmm. that you were a part of, um, how many, or, and, and were a leader in how many of them came there out of no community versus came there because they already had some community that was telling them you should go here? Hmm. Well, that's an interesting question. Most of the time, somebody encouraged them to go. Okay. And it was someone they trusted, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yep. There, I would say of the probably 150, maybe 200 that I've seen come through, uh-huh. eh, maybe 150. That's still a good statistical sample. Yeah. There are probably 10, maybe less, that did what I just described. And so that makes me think perhaps I'm wrong. You need some kind of base community that says, hey, you really, this is something, whatever you're doing is not working for you. You at least need like a spouse who says, hey. So whatever you're doing isn't working? Yeah. Yeah, but it also could be that, you know, you find that problem and then you ask the people who are already in your community. Nobody's an island, no matter how separate they are. Mm -hmm. You have at least, I mean, usually you have at least people who you work with. Right. And I think most people have, you know, at the very least they have family. They have most of the time or, you know, extracurricular activities, something that would bring them into contact with people. A lot of people that, that come to that group though, you know, it's a, it's a church group and it's not, it's pretty ecumenical, but it's still a church group. So they have some sort of community through, yeah, through church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most of the, most of the guys in the men group. I guess that's something I've been wondering about as, I mean, over the past year, people went online a lot more. I know uh, a lo- our, our, our pastor quoted a statistic from one of the, from, from some of the local pastors he was talking to who said, we think, I, I can't remember if it was, we think we've lost 30% of our congregation permanently, or we think we're only getting 30% of our congregation back permanently. And so as there's that further- Those numbers are quite different. Yeah, no, they are. I mean, either way, they're they're huge and tragic. But as as there's that increased unraveling of of different social fabrics that have kind of knit society together, and I'm also thinking of people like kids at the school that uh, Belconi teaches at, where they come from, in many cases, very dysfunctional families who won't even encourage their kid to hop online for for a zoom class i think he would he said only one in a, a similar one in three of his kids one in four of his kids it was less than that yeah we're consistently online for for school so when you have that level of disconnect and uh just dysfunction in the community it seems to be getting worse how are people going to get feedback that will move them to a place where they can be helped. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I think, I mean, I guess I really do think that as things open back up, I think people miss community. I don't think that anybody is loves being apart and there will be some people who find it very convenient to do uh, as much as they've been doing online to continue to do online. Mm -hmm. But I think the majority of people will choose to, you know, not, they'll choose to be back in community. And for some people, that community will be church. For some people, that community will be, you know, other things. I think that 
it's much easier to drop your kids off at school when school's open. And, you know, even though they don't, you know, they're not going to babysit their kids during the day because either they can't or uh, they don't see the value in it getting your kids to school, especially when, you know, in some of those poor communities, you know, that your kid will get fed and watched and be safe for the day. Then they'll, you know, they'll do that. I, th- I think a lot of things really will go back to, you know, not exactly the way that they were, but more similar. I like your optimism. Thank you. Thank you, Kyle. I'll be here. I'm, I'm this optimistic all the time for the most part. You think, you think that society is permanently changed for the worse? I don't think it's permanently changed for the worse. I think it's been accelerated in a direction it was already going. Yeah. And I, and I just see everything in waves. There's going to be a, there's going to be a correction of some kind. New York has already said like has basically banned all online schooling for next year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if those New York City or New York State or I don't I don't recall, but um, I think that's a positive thing. I think that letting kids have snow days and not making teachers teach online is good, good as well. They're very different skill sets. And as far as feedback though for journaling, yeah, a lot of that you're you're doing yourself. You know, you don't. I think in general, ninety five plus percent of the time. A journal should be a private thing, not something you show uh, to anybody else. Mm-hmm. With with maybe a few few exceptions, uh, you know. So we've talked about two uses of a journal, or kind of two methods. Another is to process a kind of specific trauma. The exercise is pretty simple. It's a uh, for three days in a row, you write for ten minutes about a single event that you're having difficulty with, and it's very difficult, probably not impossible, but very difficult to write about nothing for 10 minutes straight. And then when I say write for 10 minutes, I mean pen to the paper scribbling mm-hmm. uh, for 10 minutes. And one of the reasons that specific events will have a really negative impact on you now, even if they happened 10 years ago or more or whatever, is that... You know, when you have a positive event or something that you can share, even if it's negative, let's say somebody cuts you off in traffic or stuff you can commiserate about stuff you can commiserate about. When you think of that, it's easy for your brain to be like, oh, okay, we dealt with that. No new information doesn't need, don't need to think about that anymore. But there's kind of this, like, I don't know if it's the same as cognitive dissonance where you have a value, but aren't living it out. But if something really embarrassing happens to you, so embarrassing that you don't even want to share it with anybody, whenever your brain thinks about that, it's kind of like, don't think about the pink elephant. And you're, and you, you have all this mental energy on like, can't think about that thing. And when you spend that time processing it, you can get your brain to, you can come to a place where it's like, yep, I dealt with that and I don't need to continue to process because I've already done the work. It's painful. It's not very fun. I've done it uh, for a handful of different events and I found it really therapeutic. So that's kind of another one. A fourth way to journal, which I have, uh, I'll, t- I'll, I'll say what it is and then I haven't done it yet, but I'm changing my plan so that I do. And I'll explain that as well. So it's called, um, oh, form journaling. And basically what it is, is you decide on a set of questions to ask yourself to kind of give yourself a prompt and get yourself focused. And then as your answers change, you can kind of, by answering the same questions over and over again, then you can, I don't know, it's just a way to take some of the like... Friction of starting out out of it. Yeah, I've, I've seen, uh, I think one of the most popular versions of that is, uh, is the gratitude journal, which there are all sorts of variants on. They can mm-hmm. purchase on Amazon or wherever. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. So, like, what are you know, what are five or with three or two things that are thank- that you're thankful for, right? Um, each day, and then you write that out, and then you can kind of fill up your your bliss bucket. I don't know, whatever they say. But um, so, some of my questions are: is uh, is there anything you don't you you feel you don't? And these are weekly questions. Anything you feel you don't have control over? What are you thankful for? What uh, what were you afraid? Was there anything you were afraid of this week? And one more. Oh, what did you learn? So anything you've taken for granted, 
anything you're afraid of, thankful, what did you learn? And I'm not, you know, I haven't, because I haven't practiced this, uh, even though I've had intentions of practicing it, I'm not sure if I'm going to stick with those questions, but those are my questions for now. Those are interesting because the first two questions are, are kind of two sides of the same coin, taking for granted and thankfulness. Mm-hmm. But then the next two questions are sort of, there's less of a connection between them. I, at least in my mind, what, what am I afraid of um, is kind of its own thing. And then what did I learn is kind of its own thing. Yeah. And you could, if you wanted to link afraid and learned, you could say, what am I shying away from? And what am I pressing into? Oh, okay. Yeah. Trying to get away from what am I trying to move towards mm-hmm. or what am I moving towards? Mm-hmm. Or what did I, what, yeah. yeah. What am I fleeing? What am I going towards? So right now I haven't had a prompt. And so we, I've talked about habits uh, quite a bit, but there's no, one of the first white places to go to, and I realized that I didn't do this today, mm-hmm. is do I have a prompt for this? And so the way that I would go about creating a prompt for this uh, there's a couple different kinds of prompts. You know, one is you could have kind of an external prompt, like your phone could remind you on a weekly basis, but your phone is really easy to ignore because we get a lot of notifications. And I try to practice not doing that to not look at my phone all the time. Right. So sometimes I'm better, sometimes I'm not. But, you know, so, but finding something that I do once a week, some perhaps something related to church would be helpful. Um, something that I do, you know, on a Saturday or a Sunday or any, you know, any day of the week that I only do once a week would be kind of a helpful practice. Something that it's a, it's like, oh, this happens every week, no matter what. And then, and then you have an implementation, implementation intention. When I get home from church on Sunday, I will take my journal out and write these questions down and answer them. And then when that prompt happens, it's really easy for your brain to say, wasn't there something about this? Right. Um, And for the first probably couple of times, you may have to, you know, look at that that implementation intention, implementation intention. I keep saying those words wrong in order to kind of cement it. Mm -hmm. But after you've done it a handful of times, it's like, oh, okay. Every time I go to church, I do this. Right. Yeah. You have a constant trigger. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you're triggering. So if you want to do something every morning after I'm done brushing my teeth, after I'm done making coffee, after I, yeah, after I feed the, well, that used to be the cats, the cat. So if you're feeding the, yeah. Um, <laughs> the other kind of journal that I've read about, and this is from Farnham Street, is the decision journal where you're trying to come up with a decision. And and this is really more of a long-term thing where you're tracking your decision-making process and you, you kind of write, you write down what the scenario is, what you think the best outcome is, what you think the potential worst outcome is, what you think will happen and kind of assign probabilities to those things. And then, and then you do this on various decisions as you go through life and assess it, it gives you a scorecard for how someone's doing, how, how, how I'm doing making decisions. Another uh, rubric that, uh, so that, that has kind of a rubric to it, kind of like the, uh, the, the prompt journal, a rubric that I came across as I was researching stuff, information on, on how to journal um, was the three W rubric. Hmm. What, so what, what next, where you, or you, me, anyone else writes in their journal. Um, I write what happened. I write why that matters, what it made me feel like, what resulted from it. And then I write what I think the next steps are Hmm. moving forward, moving forward from that or moving away from something there. Um, so what so it's actually four w's what happened why it matters what do i feel and what are, what are the next steps no or the- what so what what next so and so what you kind of have a couple 
potential W's. Hmm. Is the why it matters and how it made me feel kind of the same thing yeah. as well? Yeah. Okay. All right. So it's like you you could three, rebrand three it as the four, you could rebrand it as the four W's and say what happened, why it matters, how did it make me feel, and well, I guess or what it made me feel and what next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so something else related to journaling and. I found it very important. I went, I've gone through somebody who was in, had been encouraging me to journal for a long time before I started consistently was he you always recommended a bad pen. I was, the podcasters can't see that I was waving a pen at you, Kyle. You've ruined my story. Anyway, no, so he would always <laughs> recommend, uh, getting fancy pens. Yeah. You know, ones yep. that, you know, have a metal casing or, uh, I want to say, I want to call it a cartridge, um, but it's the, you know, and so it's like heavy, it's weighted, it looks nice, you know, something you sign a big fat check with back when we used to sign checks on a regular basis. Anyway, I've found, I've gone through probably, I've probably purchased um, maybe five uh-huh. pretty nice pens and uh, I stuck with all of them for about two weeks and then went back to what I have here, which is a Uniball Vision Elite. Uh-huh. And it writes more nicely, especially as a lefty, doesn't ball pens as you continue to write because you're pushing and they're meant to you're meant to be pulling the ink out. Uh-huh. These are just really nice to write with. Um they last until they don't and then there's no ink left and that's fine and you throw them out and then get a new one. It's like 10 or 15 bucks for 12 of them. Um you can get them on Amazon and then uh, for me, I really like uh, the Lekka term. Uh, ni- I think it's 1919, something like that. Um, I'll, I'll link to it, but it's a, it's a specific... Make sure it's an affiliate link. No, I don't know. I'm not going to do that, Kyle. No more affiliate links for us. It's not, we're not going to, you know... What are they going to do? Give us like 15 cents? We should put the one. We should make a Square Cash account for Socratic Hobbits so that people can donate to the show. <laughs> so when you say we should do this, Kyle, what do you mean specifically? I guess, well, huh. <laughs> it's been so long since I made a Square Cash account. Oh, uh, do you need me to? I, do, do you want me Do you want me to do this? If only there was, if only there was a website if there's only if there's only a website that we could ask questions and figure out how to do stuff. Do you want me to do this? <laughs> I sure. I don't know who would give to us. Okay. I'll just put a Square Cash account out there and I think we only have like ten or twenty listeners. And just say James, will you if... give money to us? <laughs> <laughs> if you like the show, send us send us <laughs> send some money to Dollar signs, Socratic comments. Don't. Don't send any money to us. I don't know. You can send us money. <laughs> I don't know what we'll do with it. Split it 50-50. Buy Daniel a new microphone. I don't think we're going to get that much money. <laughs> if we get 100 bucks, though, I can buy a new microphone. Actually, the Yeti came out with just a... They came out with a new one that's only 60. Really? Yeah. I might do that. It's my birthday this month. Maybe I'll get what, somebody what, to... What charity would you want to... Are there any charities that come to mind that you'd want to give money to? I really like the Innocence Project. Yeah, so I'm they, actually not familiar with the Innocence Project. Yeah, so they, I think that uh, it's it's a uh, it's related to mass incarceration and specifically the death penalty. Okay. Um, so they focus on people on death row and getting them off for you know especially wrongfully convicted. That sounds good. It is. It's great. Um, and I think that there are a lot of problems with our justice system. And while you can get worked up about all of the various other forms of racism, I think that that is, I think, the most bang for your buck, uh-huh. if that makes sense. So reforming the criminal justice system, I think, would be the way to best use of time, energy, and money. Um, and I know a lot of people would disagree, but that's where I've come to with a lot of the reading and other things that I've done. Cool. So... Uh, Tim Keller's Gospel in Life is also another one that I've been intending to start giving to. I'd be okay with either of those. Yeah. Well, we talked. For, so we've been talking for like an hour and fifteen minutes. Do you have anything? Sixteen minutes. Anything else on journaling? Anything else on journaling? So we talked about 
you you went through four different types of journaling. I added decision journaling and and mm-hmm. the the rubric, the three W rubric. What so what what next? You brought up using a good pen, and then mentioned that the the Univision Elite. Uniball Vision Elite. Uniball Vision Elite. Um, do you have a particular color you like to write in? Yeah, I do. Write in black. Do you do you write in blue? I write in whatever cheap Bic pen I have available <laughs> to me. Plebeian. You had a friend. I I, I had a friend who really liked um, writing in green ink. Hmm. Yeah. No, I uh, in in college we had a a teacher recommend that we write all of our stories longhand in Sharpie pen. I did that for a long time too. Did he try? Was he trying to get you high or? No, she wasn't. I just hate the smell of Sharpie. Yeah, I didn't. I thought it was fine. And then, but the only thing I didn't like was that it bled into the next page. So maybe she was trying to get everyone to write lightly. No, I think it was because they were cheap and they weren't, you know, it was the, you had the same non-issue with righty or lefty or issues with ink that you do with, they write really nicely. I mean, they, they really do. And then, but once you were done, you were done, uh-huh. you know, and you could just throw them out. You never had any, uh, ball pens have, have more of an issue with, at least in my experience with ink, ink flow. Right. And even gel, even certain gel pens, which these are a type of um, gel pen, but I like the gel pens that, that you have the little clicker. Yeah. Hmm. Well, uh, yeah, that's all I had for journaling. It wasn't that long. Um, this is going to end up being a pretty short episode since we were mostly fluff at the beginning. Um, actually, I guess one thing else for journaling is you want to try journaling for the next two weeks. See how we do and report back. Do some Socratic Hobbits homework. I've done two weeks so far, so I could do another two weeks. What kind of journaling did you do? Uh, at night, right before I went to bed, I would journal what happened in my day and what I thought about it and what I thought I might do the next day. What do you notice for difference prior and after? Any, any benefit? Any hindrance? Is it just a pain? No, it, it wasn't a pain uh, because it was just, you know, basically sit down in bed, write uh, two-thirds to a page worth of stuff in really fast, scribbly um, uh, cursive. <laughs> and yeah. what was that? I just laughed. Oh. That was how I laughed. And it was, I mean, it was kind of fun to just sort of focus on what I was thinking about in the day. Um, I think it did help. Uh, I want to say it helped stop my mind from racing and thinking about different things, but sometimes I think it just uh, jump-started it. Um, yeah. And, and but but sometimes I think it did kind of close the book on things I was thinking about. Yeah, so I, I have done a little bit of journaling this week. I read this book called, not this week, this weekend, last week, called Skip the Line. Okay. And one of the exercises that he recommends is coming up with 10 ideas about anything, how to improve something, uh-huh. um, or, you know, really anything, anything that you can think of, and then write out 10 ideas for that. It's a way to increase creativity. And um, I did that for about five days uh-huh. before going to bed. And... The problem is, is that when you do something creative, that creative right before bed, right, you end up thinking of a lot. Yep, yep. So I got to, I got to figure out a different time. Well, probably in the morning, do that. But it was fun. It's very interesting. Yeah. Came up with ten ways to improve my old company, ten ways to improve the Hayward household, uh, ten ways to like ten, I think ten businesses I could start, ten blog posts I could do for the Socratic Hobbits log. That sounds like a, actually something that would get me out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Well, maybe we could try that. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. You want to do that for a creativity? We can talk about that book a little bit. There's a lot of, lot yeah. of little, little do you, nuggets. Do you want to do that for the next two weeks? Sure. Ten, ten and you want to try – you can decide when you want to. I'm going to try to do mine in the morning. Yeah. I, I think I think the morning would be, it'd be perfect. Um, so. Well, Kyle – I'm going to go hang out with my wife. All right. Well, thanks for walking through journaling with me and and through catching up on all the fluff. (laughs) 
Yeah, uh, maybe we'll just make a note for your wife to skip to minute 45 and uh, see how that goes. <laughs> or, or or put the journaling section at the beginning and then put the phone at the end. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, and uh, if you like the podcast, feel free to give money to Kyle directly. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next time. All right. Thanks, Bye. Kyle. Daniel again, just wanted to say thanks for listening. If you have any feedback, feel free to shoot us a line, either via email at socratichobbits at gmail.com or via skywriting near 39 degrees north and 77 degrees west. Mm